All right, Jim. So shall we play a game? Uh, reluctantly, yes. That's a reference to the uh, Matthew Broderick show. Matthew Broderick movie. Uh, a, movie War I games. a movie I haven't watched since I believe the 80s. I just watched it with Sarah recently. And, for her, uh, her first time? Her first time, yeah. Does it hold up? It's one of two decent movies with Matthew Broderick. The other one being the Ferris Bueller. Yeah. That uh, holds up. He did um, Music Man and Inspector Gadget, which yep. should be burned. Didn't hold up. <laughs> Didn't hold up. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I thought it held up. I mean, I had a certain appreciation for it because wow, we're, we're already into the thick of it. But I had a certain appreciation for it because the computer stuff mm-hmm. is surprisingly accurate, like much more so than the like modern the war like, game. Yeah, computer like, thing? like yeah. the, the way that he hacks into things, the way that he's got his like his uh, telephone and he's rigging up a script to dial a bunch of phone numbers yeah. see if it gets a response anyway wow i need, I need to rein you in <laughs> yeah so shall we play we need, we need the ratings to go up not down so uh can you no <laughs> let's hey, okay so you uh, you have a game for me i do i've been dreading this moment because i don't know what you're gonna do to me right you're gonna right. exploit some sort of you know well essentially you know how on the podcast they play games we stole an idea from them because we need to stop referencing them so much well, I, I'm just... We are on their coattails, but we can't think, be on their coattails. You know what I mean? No, but I'm just saying like a lot of podcasts started because of the Reform Pub, but what we're doing is so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. All right. So uh, I have a series of short games. This is one of them. Uh, and I'll have one or two... I don't like the look in your eye. Uh, well, I, I'm just... I, I practice this with, with my wife, Sarah. Uh, and Who is much more brilliant than <laughs> any of us put together. All right. So the game here is... Hillsong lyrics or Justin Bieber lyrics? Oh, okay. I thought you were going to try like trap me in something. And I mean, who knows? <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so, so Hillsong lyrics or Justin Bieber lyrics. So I have two here. Two, the two. fact that you're even doing this implies that this is going to be a challenge. The basic, you know? the basic, the basic premise is I'm going to le- read a certain number of lines. It's not just going to be one line. It's going to be at least three lines uh, from a song. Okay. And you will obviously have to guess. Uh, whether it's Hillsong or Justin Bieber. Okay. The catch here is, to make it interesting for radio, is I want you to kind of speak what you're thinking out loud. Okay. I'm probably not going to provide any support, although you can you can read my face. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I do not have a poker face. Okay. Um, Sarah actually gets on my case all the time because like now she can... Like when we first got married, she thought I just didn't have any emotions and now she can read my face. <laughs> Sarah, Sarah like, chose for herself someone who doesn't uh, display any emotion. Okay. So I like raise an eyebrow and she'll you be like, are getting better. why are you so upset? And oh, I'll okay. be like, how did you know? <laughs> you can't hide it anymore. Uh, I can't. Your greatest nightmare has come true. Okay. So, uh, so, so here's, the, here's the lyrics. Ready? Uh, okay. And I haven't listened to these songs. Well, actually, let me ask you. Do you listen to Justin Bieber? I would say no. Do you listen to Hillsong? Uh, one song, the uh, Anastasis. No, Anastasis. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I don't know what it is. It, there, there is a there is a Hillsong song that I like, and I don't remember what its, what its name is because right. it has a big impact on me. All right, well, hopefully this isn't one of those. Okay, because then you'll just be like, oh, well, that's clearly Justin Bieber. Okay, here we go. Okay, because I have felt the cold rain run down my face. <laughs> I've seen the sun rise up. As the night turns to day. I've done all these things. I've heard the laughter as the children play. But above all, I just want to say that. Okay. Here's my gut. Get. Here's my gut. My gut is Justin Bieber. Why? Because, um, well, I don't, I can't really give you a clear reason why. It's just, it's my gut. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's my gut. I can't really give you any rational 
points that'll help you help me understand. No, so I'm thinking it's Justin Bieber, but because this is a game and you are you, <laughs> and this is a game, I'm going to say it's Hillsong. Oh, wait, because so there's a chance it could you're be. You're thinking it's reverse psychology. Yeah. Well, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to try it. I'm trying. I'm letting you, think, you in on my, on my process. Do you think that I am above thinking that you would think what you thought? I think you devise tricks and traps for me <laughs> on your, in your free time and you unleash them on this podcast. I'm just, I'm just so, I'm just so ready for them. But my answer, my final answer, and I'm not going to phone a friend. Mm-hmm, I'm going to mm-hmm. say Hillsong just for the entertainment value of it. All right. Well, it is Hillsong. Oh, really? <laughs> You're done joking? I am not joking. I, uh, I'm looking wow. at the, uh, I didn't actually, this game is, sort is of depressing. as riveting, but dis- as depressing as I thought it was going to be. It is as depressing as so it I'm is right, disappointing, but yes, I'm not really are. excited that I'm right. Yeah, no, that's, that's the, what's the, what's the, do you have the title of the song that that's from? I'm trying to pull that up. That's why I've been so, um, it's called, am I to believe by Hillsong United? It's Hillsong. I don't actually understand wow. this. There's Hillsong US, Hillsong Australia, Hillsong United. Is Hillsong United all of the Hillsongs coming together? I don't know. Or is it Hills songs? <laughs> the songs of the hills? I don't know. I, uh, yeah, Hillsong United. The hills I, have songs. I know that Hillsong is big in Australia because the the lead singer Darlene Zlink is from Australia. I think. I see. Do you want to do? Do you want to? I don't actually have any interest in this. Okay. Let's do. You want to do one more? Let's do it again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Your love. It broke my fall. It's more than enough and I need it because I've never known better and I'll never know better. Okay, so here we go. That sounds like it could be Hillsong. But I'm going to go ahead and reverse that and say that that's Justin Bieber. Now, that could be a Justin Bieber song too. Is that... <laughs> I'm gonna, so I'm going to go ahead and say Justin Bieber. Is that your final answer? No, no, no. Oh, I just screwed myself up. No, that's Hillsong. Yeah, that's a Hillsong song. I'm so confused because you're... You started with the other one. You were like, oh, that sounds like it could be Justin mem- Bieber. So I'm going with Hillsong. And just now you said, that sounds like it could be Hillsong. So I'm going with Justin Bieber. No, I'm going with Hillsong. So then I have to go with Justin Bieber. Okay. I got myself back on track. Could Justin do, Bieber. Do you want me to flip a coin? I have the memory of a goldfish. You know, like what I said to you and what color my shirt was three years ago. I don't even remember what we started talking about in this podcast. I just so. don't care about you that much. Well, yeah, it's for the best. <laughs> All right, so what is your final answer? Because you flip-flopped a couple times. Well, you know, all that stuff aside, I think that's actually a Justin Bieber lyric. This song is Love Enough by Hillsong United. Okay. So there we have it. This is a cruel game. It really is. I also have, uh, should I tell them what the other ideas were for games? Yeah, try Uh, Future games that they can... uh, What is this from? That they can dread. What is what from? This this list of games. You said you have a couple of Oh, I made it up. Oh, you made it up. <laughs> yeah, I made all of these up. Uh, you are the creative genius. There, of the there two. is a game out there. I can't remember. There was a podcast I listened to that played it where the game was um, it was similar to this. It was Justin Bieber, Hillsong. Wow, what a game. I don't remember. Uh, anyway. Uh, what a terrible game. If I, I'll talk to Sarah was the one who told me, oh, this is like that game that they played on that podcast. And I was like, I didn't know about that. So th- these are these are very original. Uh, the these other are the games, dangerous games we play. The other game idea I had was CrossFit Gym or Emerging Church. Hey! <laughs> and Babylon B or Real Christian News. That's going to be a tough game. That is. And because all and be because I screwed this one up, how about we start the show? You want to start the show? I want to do it. Let's do it. Okay. The podcast you're about to hear contains the histrionic and problematic conversations of a stodgy Presbyterian and a casserole-loving Baptist. 
Their interactions are volatile at times and unpleasant most of the time. In many nations, this is considered a mild form of torture. We strongly advise you to stop this nonsense and go do something useful with your life. Otherwise, if you insist on listening to this mess, welcome to the lightest form of flogging. All right. So the way that I want to start this, it's not on here. Yeah. But uh, I thought it would be helpful. thought it would be helpful to first full disclosure mm. to our audience. Yeah. We this recorded. Is Am I going to be frightened by what you're going to say? Probably. Okay. Um, Boy, this, what a surprise. Episode two and you're throwing a, a thing on me. A, th- a thing? <laughs> yeah. I just Are I want to start tell- crying. No. <laughs> was it, it, it start that, over that's, it's not that kind of uh, announcement okay i'm causing problems for you keep going full disclosure i just want to say that jim and i recorded an episode last week oh we're we gonna talk about how the intro went <laughs> i didn't know if you were gonna mention this or we not. hated we hated the way the episode actually i was thinking about this on my we walk said home it during the episode of what of what kind of dumpster fire it was <laughs> it really was a dumpster fire we, we ended on such a low note i mean we were in such a dark place <laughs> it, i will say there were parts of it that were interesting well but, yeah yeah but yeah. it was just so overweighed overweighted over it was overcome over awfulness yeah it was just it was like finding finding little not even gems but like little pieces of candy in a pile of crap wow um chocolate covered turds are still turds in other in other words there yeah, was some chocolate I mean, around it but it that's was gonna still go on in our instagram you know we're getting an instagram just for the things that we say please we and it's to gonna ma- be people in front of waterfalls like yeah, we, we need to make yeah episode. we need to make our own quote things you know that has to be a thing so anyway we like the intro so we kept the intro that's yeah. what you just heard listeners yeah. uh but what we're doing right now is a completely a different topic we're, you know like, you know not even in all seriousness i'm looking at episode two the lost archive, which will be in the, like in an archive of ours that we'll never release, but it was a learning moment. You know, <laughs> it was it was a learning moment. Well, we we a- learned what we shouldn't do, and you made up a good point. We should we should be embracing the talking about each other, right? Bringing up personal things yeah. because you and I know each other, and you and I'm not somewhat. Sure. I mean, well, you so, know. somewhat. I mean, yeah. here's the thing, Bob. Okay, <laughs> but uh, uh, but but we should probably refrain from talking about certain topics until later on in the podcast. Yeah, you know? once our once our audience. So what we're what we're trying to wait for is, you know, that yeah. condition where when somebody locks you up in their basement for years and years and years, you start to think that maybe they saved you. I don't know what to say. There's a condition. <laughs> what is that called? I, that totally disarmed me. Heisenberg condition. No, no it's, uh, it's Stockholm. Stockholm. Syndrome. There it is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're waiting for our listeners to we get Stockholm syndrome. We continually go to then we can talk about place. anything. Yeah, yeah. We're we're waiting for them to. You know, they can't escape. They we'll don't want to listen. But we'll they just can't sit press silently delete. and watch the shadows grow longer. So you know that that the topic that we deleted, we'll eventually talk about someday. Probably. We'll leave it. We'll, we'll leave that it for we'll leave that for now. However, what I did want to say is, yeah. you may have noticed that I wanted to bring this up because our voices probably sound different. Um, Why? Podcasters are always uh, like when you first start podcasting, you think, oh, I can just go in later and like change something that I said. You really can't do that because your voice sounds different, different times of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, And we it's been a week and a half, essentially, almost Mm -hmm. a week and a half since we recorded our last episode. And I know I have grown wiser, more handsome. Uh, My voice has matured or matured, as you would say. (laughs) Okay. And uh, you're a whole new man. I noticed that when I walked in here. Yeah. You were like taller, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, still. It's because of the. Uh, nope, I'm not going to make that reference. Okay, there's a glint in my eye. It's more <laughs> glinty this week. 
So you brought up a good point. It kind of is, but I think that's you, w- you were inspired from episode one, our discussion on episode one. You yes. wanted to extend the discussion. I think it's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, you wanted to focus in on some distinctives yes. that we mentioned in our journey. And we decided I would go today. Yes. Right. So okay. I, I also want to say real briefly that uh, I, I think it's going to be funny if in these first three episodes, each time we try to define what the show is. Mm. Um, and I was thinking about this on my walk home. Uh, which was painful because I've injured my foot and for whatever reason, I decided to walk two miles home. Okay. Um, but I was thinking on, I, I think it was just preparation for the latest form of flogging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you're experiencing what it's like to listen to you and I talk. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I was listening to a good podcast though on my way home. Oh, I wonder what that's like. <laughs> anyway, I was, so do our listeners. I, anyway, I was, Hey-o. I was on my way home and I was thinking about how, um, it could be misconstrued. In our last episode, I said that we're talking about not the theology of what got us to our theological positions, but mm-hmm. the because it's the not psychology a or the yeah, it's or not the, a theological podcast. The narrative, um, and I was thinking about how you could misinterpret that as me saying, "Oh, like uh, kind of like a deconstructionist thing. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna believe what you believe and think what you think because of who you are as a person." And like, yeah. and I don't, I don't mean to suggest that, but I've worked in marketing for like the last three years of my life, mm-hmm. and a, a good example of this is like I am all Apple with everything that I can be yes, Apple on. And the reason for that, I have to recognize to some degree is because I'm susceptible to their marketing. Like I know that the way that they market things as like yeah. this thing exists. We're not going to tell you the features of it. We're just going to tell you how it's going to make your life better. Yeah. I recognize that that appeals to me, but then I've also tried PCs and I've tried Android and I like Apple the best. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there's Fair objective enough. facts. And then there's also just the psychology of the thing. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to theology, I believe what I believe because of the objective facts. But the story of how I yeah. came to believe those objective facts, why I was open to receiving them, yeah. what forces were at play in my life in terms of psychological, historical, um, his, my life historical. That's what you want to get at. That's what words. I want to get at yeah. in this It's podcast. more interesting. I agree. It's yeah. totally more interesting. Well, especially for two lay people talking about. Because like, you know, yeah. if I were, if I were uh, Sinclair Ferguson, I would have an amazing accent. And people yeah. would just listen to me talk about theology because of my credentials and, and the fact that I'm a genius. Oh, hey, what, before you, bef- let me interrupt you. Now that we stopped. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so if we get to, that reminds me, doing an impressions of celebrity pastors that uh-huh, we like. Uh-huh. Um, if we get, we should do a promo. If we get 20 iTunes reviews, I'll do my impression of Martin Lloyd-Jones that I've been working on. Wow. I practiced it in the truck the other day. <laughs> and I think I'm getting good. <laughs> So yeah, so if we uh, twenty, maybe twenty, yeah, twenty, twenty, twenty. I think when we get there in two this years, is, this is interesting because I think uh, in the intro we said that with ten we would tell them why we named the podcast, and oh, in the we same did? episode we're okay. telling actually level up, level Ed, up, edit that out. And if I you mean, if you if we get to thirty, this yeah. is like a uh, if we get to thirty, uh, I'll do this entire podcast without pants. But you can't be in here. Please. Okay. Please do not. So keep it at give 25. Us 30 reviews. Okay. Well, in all seriousness. It's like uh, 40 lashes minus one. Yeah. The lettuce from flogging. <laughs> Look at that. We came full circle. Okay. So with that in mind, I came up with a number of, uh, well, uh, you're going to interview me. Piggybacking in off of our last yeah. episode. Last episode was about. We're going to slow down and talk about some things that I said that scared you. Terrified me. To yeah, the terrifying. Core. And, yeah. and our listeners. And I don't blame you. Um, last episode, we talked about what we have in common. We're both Calvinists and we talked about how we got to those things. So I thought for the next few episodes, anyway, we could talk about the various distinctives that we hold, the things that we hold that maybe make us different from each other. 
and how we came to those. So I wrote down a handful of topics here mm-hmm. and uh, questions you've been wanting to ask me for years. Right now I have the one that I want to get into because it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And uh, that is the theological orphan. Thing. Well, we're going to start with that. Huh? I find that interesting, but no, I'm ask actually, why. I'm going to make you pick because this is me talking to you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like you should, you should feel free to, uh, but then I, I have the right well, we, to, uh, yeah, sure. We veto, can start of off. We can start off with this. Um, I am Supreme Dictator. Are you a Calvin the Hobbes guy? You know, no. Oh my God. Not really. Huh. I mean, I'm aware of the Calvin and Hobbes shaped me. Really? Yeah. It's the reason I'm a Calvinist. Oh, come on. You were a Calvinist because of the donut person. Calvin in your, in, and Hobbes. Okay. Okay. Right. No, I'm a Christian because of the donut. No, I'm a Christian because oh, of yeah, the, yeah, my yeah, parents. Yeah. No, I'm yeah, a Christian yeah, because yeah. of the Holy Spirit. Come on, Jim. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, now that we got that cleared up. All yeah. right. So what do, what do you want to, what do you want me to ask you about you? You know, you know, honestly, I am in, very interested in how you are interested in me, <laughs> you know, because you had this whole, whole set of questions that you wanted to ask me. And I've been going off of that uh-huh, in preparation uh-huh. for today. Um, but I'm afraid I'm going to disappoint you on a lot of these. Okay. Be- but then this is what this podcast is about. Disappointment. We're, we're learning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That one made me laugh a little too much. Um, <laughs> uh, the theological orphan comment. Now, he, here's why I might. So, uh, uh, this is not my phrasing. I know that. this is Matt Chandler. He calls himself gonna, a theological. We're going to get into that. Okay. This, but this is my. I point. just I don't want people because here's here's the the, the play in this show is going to be bad cop good cop. You're going to be good cop. You're going to be the mm-hmm. guy that everybody who listens to it relates to. Yeah. And I'm going to be the stodgy Presbyterian. And I had a friend tell me recently. They looked at the. I showed him the website. You're not stodgy. Uh, That's not why you're weird. And they said stodgy stodgy isn't a word that i know what that means so we may have to stodgy when you said that i just assumed it meant like curmudgeon yeah like humbug like humbug. um i actually do say humbug at christmas time because people Are say you? merry christmas i'm like i can't say oh, that boy. what should i say listeners you're gonna love our christmas episode we're gonna have it a- is gonna be an episode of cheer and and a christmas and, anti-papist extravaganza yeah it's gonna be wonderful i mean we're gonna have to really prep for that but anyways <laughs> um so yeah so you mentioned this this phrase theological orphan which if uh if you and i are correct was coined by matt chandler or at least of, that's where we both heard it first yeah and 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 i have no idea really who matt chandler was up until uh maybe a year or two ago so I don't know when he said this. When did he say this? Really? A year or two ago? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of out of it. I'm not in the thick of oh, it when goodness. it comes to all of these trends that we're all in. Cause I know Matt Chandler is very popular with the new Calvinists. Yeah. But I, I only recently discovered him about a year or two ago. Huh? Since, you know, do uh, you internet sometimes? Okay. Sometimes, <laughs> but you have to understand <laughs> only uh, for me since I, you know, I started having a family and the family started growing the time I get to read and explore the wonders of Reformed theology on the internet significantly decreases. So there's only so much I can know about. This is actually another topic that it's it's a yeah. later topic, but this idea of like you came to Calvinism through I'm generally slow to the party. A book, yeah, and because I don't know how big the internet was at that time. Not not like no, not like it I don't wasn't around. Cal- or I don't anything. think Calvinists hung out on the internet at that point. Oh, I'm sure they did. Well, you know what I mean. But how, what, what, what would this have been like? Nineteen or two when I, early two thousands? When I when you became a Calvinist, side? yeah, uh, it was two thousand and four. Yeah, so the Calvinists were totally on the internet. I just mean like, okay, I got gotcha. you. Th- there's like a ubiquity to the internet now. That I wasn't, wasn't on th- it. Wasn't a thing back when fifty six K modems were more popular. 
Okay. Uh, and t- in 2004, they weren't even that popular, but it was like, it was a thing. Like everybody knew somebody who had a 56K modem. I'm talking about pre high speed internet. Yeah. So, so back to the, this uh, is not a tech podcast. So back to, yeah. This is not a tech podcast. This is a podcast where we struggle to follow the main point. Um, <laughs> so Matt Chandler called himself, uh, being a reformed charismatic. Yes. And you were orphan. asking when that happened. Yeah, kind of when when did that happen? Um, there was a I'm going to ballpark this at around Was it during like a sermon or was it an interview? I'm going to ballpark this around 2007. Okay. And there was a there was an interview. He he kind of like rose to fame around that time. Uh part of that was because he was invited to speak at Desiring God, and that I think is where he gave that um Jesus wants the rose mm-hmm. uh, present. I almost, yeah. I tried to, I was about to try to imitate him. I took a deep breath in and I was like, you're I not, really don't want to scream into this mic. David. See, that's, that's later Chandler. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It? But yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So he, he called himself uh, a theological orphan, meaning he's, if char- this isn't obvious by now, <laughs> uh, reform people and charismatic people typically don't hang out with each other. They're not the, they're different camps. Lots of refor- I would say the majority of reformed people are, are are cessationists. I would say, at the time, well, at the time, yeah. This is it, 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 all of this hinges on your definition of charismatic, on your definition right, of reformed. Yeah, yeah. Like and definitions when I say, are very when I say reformed, ninety percent of the time, I'm I'm gonna I cool. want to say no historically reformed. Oh well, yeah, historically the reformed, of, they're all cessationists. Yeah, for the purposes of this conversation, if you're a historically remi- historically reformed minded person. Uh, you're probably a cessationist. Uh, yeah, like ninety De- definitionally. Pers- yeah, and uh, you know people uh, people that go to Bethel Church in Redding, California, probably aren't Calvinists or Reformed. Sure, you know? and sure. I'm going to the extremes here, but at some point it became okay to identify uh, with both camps. Now, this is where I'm going to disappoint you because for the longest time, I really only thought that the most prominent reformed Calvinist. And I'm going to switch definitions here. Now, when I say reformed Calvinist, because <laughs> you're, it, it, and, and definitions are more important to you I'm than they glad, are to me. I'm glad you're saying, but I'm saying this because I'm time. anticipating your looks that you give me that people can't see, but I know all too well. I have potent eyebrows, but these days reformed Calvinists generally refer to a calmed down charismatic people who are five pointers. Really? That's it. Yes, reformed charismatics. Yes. Yeah, no, that's that's what that reformed charismatics is, aren't going to, to Presbyterian churches, but they're not going to Bethel Church either. Yes, you know what I mean. Okay, um, and I really only thought that these people were in Sovereign Grace churches, mm-hmm. Sovereign Grace ministries mm-hmm. um, is probably the best example I can think of of a visible group sure. that could call themselves reformed charismatics. And it's I, probably the largest, like the yeah. largest, uh, consistently that way. Yeah. That well, say they're, it out they're loud, basically a denomination that use the phrase "reformed right. charismatics." You might be reformed, you might be charismatic, and they're all a part not... of a single thing. Like Acts yeah. twenty nine would be another one, probably if that's still a thing. And that's a good segue to my next comment. It's uh, you've mentioned um, um, Mark Driscoll a couple times, mm-hmm. um, and he is technically, technically, a reformed <laughs> charismatic in the way that I defined it. Yeah, technically. That was my Mark Not so clear. crazy historical reformed, but I don't I, I don't know what to, to what extent they were you know speaking in tongues in church. I don't know. I really don't know. It, it was my assumption that they were him, really heavy on that. Stuff. Yeah, I do remember him talking about like receiving a word from someone. Uh, so they did they did take it there. I, I don't know anything did about like their attitude to and have healings and just crazy stuff because I thought they didn't. 
I, they're no, light I'm, I'm just saying like i think driscoll at one point in an interview i used to watch a lot of driscoll yeah. uh i think at one point in an interview you got to talk into the mic bro um well i'm I, I get the, uh, the breathing thing. It bothers me. So mm, I do okay. this when I'm listening. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. When I talk, I get in there. So welcome to know. the lightest form of the Doppler effect. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, so I listened to a lot of interviews and stuff with Driscoll. And I think at one point he talked about people in his church felt like they could like at one point somebody came up to him and said, I think I have a word from the Lord from you. Mm-hmm. And it turned out to be a thing. Also, that's like what he bases his entire ministry on, yeah. uh, is a voice audibly coming from God telling him, uh, plant churches train men marry grace not in that order yeah uh grace the person the, not grace the yeah yeah I like mean, i love grace so much why didn't you marry it oh okay um well the uh, church in arizona that he is currently pastoring church yeah yeah i know quote quote unquote well he, he do you remember why he uh, planted that down there because he was in technically he was in a Oh yeah, because uh, God told him to. Because uh, God told him, He to said he heard too. Yeah, God told him to resist. And what's the, the body of elders when God's talking to you directly? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, so apparently these guys are reformed charismatics, and Matt Chandler identified as one long time ago in an interview, and it was your observation that reformed charismatics are much bigger in number these days. They are. I never noticed. This hmm. is, so I I honestly can't really tell you objectively how you would come to that information. Yeah, because I'm not really paying attention. I mean, it, it seems it seems to follow that eventually there's going to be more, mm-hmm. you know, unless the movement just completely dies. There's going to be more eventually reformed charismatics out there. Take over the world. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, now you made that observation that there's a lot more than we think there are. And I do have to admit, How do you, I mean, I don't know. I'm, that's somewhat anecdotal. But what I what I mean by that is um there's there's two sides to what Chandler was saying. So he wasn't just saying I'm a theological orphan in terms of I don't have a lot of friends who are uh, reformed charismatic. Like he was stand when he said yeah. that he was in an All interview guys with John Piper, who's yeah. also reformed charismatic, right? Yeah. So, uh, but but he was talking about how when he read guys like Grudem and Piper, he realized that it was possible to be both because what he was saying is he felt or he was charismatic like that's that's where he and and i say charismatic there's a dirty uh yeah there's bad and there's good a lot of people prefer to call it continuationist now or non-cessationist yeah at the time he was calling it charismatic so that's the phrasing i'm using Uh, but what he means is what most people now Mm -hmm. would mean is uh continuationist yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna use charismatic a lot too knowing that typically that designation refers to the crazies right and the non-crazies prefer to refer themselves well, as continuationists or non-cessationists so what I, happens i'm gonna i'm gonna revolve around all three here's what happens this is kind of like the word oh this is gonna sound mean i'm not being mean i'm just making an analogy this is gonna Don't, be one of many okay. um you know the word retard uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know where this is going. I don't know what to say. There's, what there's to been do. this Help? thing. There's Help? been this thing in our culture where um, the the word idiot, the word retard. The, there there have been various words for oh, people who are legitimately way. medically uh, me- mentally handicapped, sure, right? mentally challenged. Yeah. Um, and what keeps happening is every time that there is a short word created for it, um, the it becomes a a slur word, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody's stupid. You call them an idiot. Well, now we don't even like most people aren't even aware that idiot used to be what you called a mentally handicapped person, and that just sounds mean. Uh, retard, like that was used to be an acceptable term. It used to be an acceptable term, but now it's not. Yeah. And with with Pentecostalism, again, no ties here in terms of intellectual. I'm not. That's not what Boy, I'm doing. Nicely done, um, David. 
but with with nicely done with, uh the term charismatic it used to be pentecostal and then pentecostals became all the crazies and and then it was yeah, charismatic yeah, no to one distinguish uses themselves anymore. from Pentecost well Pentecostals do but charismatics yeah. distinguish themselves from the Pentecostals and now the continuationists are having to distinguish mm-hmm. themselves from yeah. the and eventually I expect there's going to be another word and yeah. you might be right it might be non cessationist yeah I mean and I use that all the time it doesn't bother me but it might some people yeah and I I tend to use the word charismatic just because that's when I learned about the theology but anyway all of this to say what Chandler was really trying to get at was he had when he said orphan he didn't say widow he didn't say uh, loner he said orphan and what he was trying to get at is he has all of these heroes that he looks up to you know he would talk about Edwards and Calvin and and all of those guys and none of them were were charismatic Mm-hmm. And so for him, finding the John Piper, finding the Wayne Grudem was very comforting because he found fellow theological or, or reformed, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, theological orphans. Um, and so the, that side of it is something like, I think everybody's latched onto that and been like, oh, well, uh, reformed charismatics are weird. And what Chandler was really getting at there is they're weird historically. Mm. I don't oh, think yeah. they're weird, which is true in terms of like, Right now, if you meet somebody who's a Christian and said, says they're a Calvinist, I think there's probably a four, maybe three in five chance that they are also at least unconsciously charismatic. I agree. And yeah. that's, that's what I mean is like a lot of people, a lot of people has taken what he meant by theological orphan and thought, oh, that means there aren't that many of us. It's like, mm-hmm. no, there are tons of you. Like, like it, there's 20,000 people on the reform mm-hmm. pub. And if you post something about uh, charismatic theology, you're going to get like a hundred comments and 80 of those are going to be agreeing with reformed charismaticism. Yeah, I, I agree. I take like D.A. Carson, for example, it's, it's known that he is technically a charismatic, right? Oh, he's written books on it. He's written books on it, but those aren't the books that he's known for. Sure. His, his scholarship, uh, is, is stronger in other areas. And he's just known as a New Testament scholar, and he leads the way in a lot of different topics, but he's not really a leader in the charismatic community. Yeah. And a casual observer might be tempted to think that maybe D.A. Carson isn't one, because he doesn't talk about it really all that much. Yeah, I mean, I mean if he, you've just heard a handful of his sermons or a smattering, as you would say. Yeah, that's what I think that maybe there's more out, just like you said, there's probably a lot more out there than we think they are. It's just not their... I don't know. It's just not their jam, I guess. Right. For lack of a better phrase, which is going to happen a lot when, right. I, when I talk. And so the the reason I thought this topic would be interesting is because this is one of those where um, it, it, it's one of those things. Last episode, I brought up your, your rebellious tendency to uh, see what other people care about and just decide not to care about it. You know, I can't wait to go after you. <laughs> Next episode. And you timed it just right because when I went after you, it was, dur- it was during a practice episode. And you, you have, you have, it's uh, true. It's true. Suppress that. Let's nicely. not talk about the practice episodes. The, uh, <laughs> the audience will, will, will want to hear those at some point once Stockholm syndrome sets in. Okay, good. All right. Um, but I wanted to, th- this is just such an interesting thing for me because it would be easy for, like, th- this is, this is one of those weird cases where, I think a lot of people think that it's a small thing, but it's actually a big thing, which is kind of, it's, it's true of pretty much every hipster thing, right? Like the everybody thinks that by the eating reform a reform charismatic thing, the reform charismatic. Okay. Thing. Everybody thinks that by eating a kale salad, like they're bucking the trend or like tattoos, like, Oh, I'm getting a tattoo to show how uh, unique I am. Just like yeah. all the other people with tattoos. Like you're yeah. not really unique. You're not really a part of something small. Like this is a really big thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I don't have know. That's, that's one of the reasons. Are you growing resentful that 
people can't use it as a hipster term anymore. So you're just kind of over there celebrating the fact that you, you can just accuse people of you can't be a hipster anymore it's everywhere everyone is a reformed charismatic what are you gonna do about it is that what this is no no i just i thought it was an interesting it was an interesting case because initially i might have thought oh jim is a charismatic like like some of the forces that made you be a reformed charismatic fellow might have been this idea that like it is kind of the fringe position but like it's not and so i, I just thought well, that was an interesting dynamic i don't know that that was let me then let me then let me speak to that uh-huh uh now i i acknowledge some rebellious tendencies in my life mm-hmm. but there are some positions that i hold that i don't think the rebellion thing can really fit as an explanation of why mm-hmm. um and not everything because i mean I, i've been in baptist culture if there is one i don't know but I've been in Baptist culture forever, and I'm still a Baptist. I'm not rebelling there. Um, I'm in a Baptist church for the longest time, and I haven't been threatening to baptize my babies, like, you who will like holding them over the baptistry. Like, you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> dare me. One word, and I'll do it. But uh, You're but not I, a minister lawfully ordained. We should probably, uh, the purpose of the episode was for me to talk about some of those things, those, those distinctives that are maybe a little bit weird. Right. At least to you and a lot of other people too, but uh, but you know, I guess I can't really say reformed charismatic is such a. I can't call myself an orphan anymore. I never did. I wasn't aware that he said that well, until th- recently. This is, this is the other. Oh, go ahead, because there's a lot more of me than I realize, and I grant that after talking to you about this, I I see that I see that, and based on the point that you know, there's probably a lot more people that are charismatic than than they even think. Because I mean, if if, if it's not your if it's not your deal. If it's not your jam, you're not going to talk about it. And you might be, people might be tempted to label you as a non-charismatic. Well, and, but, and R. Scott Clark has pointed out that Pentecostalism is kind of the theological air that we breathe in America. The theolog, really? That's like Pentecostal I'm assumptions about the spiritual gifts. Like the idea that the gift of healing is not confined to someone has the ability to heal virtually, not necessarily exactly, but virtually on demand. Like that is, that is, has been the historical understanding of the gift of healing for most of church history that just because you prayed for somebody, like you got five people together and you prayed for somebody and uh, one person prayed, especially, you know, long or whatever. And that person was healed. That doesn't mean that any of the people in that group have the gift of healing. It just means God worked a miracle and healed someone. It means that God healed someone, but it also could mean that someone in that group has I mean, but that, that, that is a gift of healing. That, what you're saying is the Pentecostal understanding is, is what I'm saying. And, and like the, this yeah. idea that like, oh, if somebody gets healed, that means somebody probably or maybe has the gift of healing. No, okay. like, I guess I'm seeing what you're saying. Yeah, that, that could be an assumption. It's probably the most common assumption. Yeah, right. I, and, I see that. And the, the, under, the historical understanding that has like, that's foreign to what most people throughout church history have understood by the gift of healing. And so in that sense, because most people, when they, when they hear that so-and-so prayed for Fred and Fred got better and they think, Oh, I wonder if so-and-so has the spiritual gift of healing. Like that, that, that thought process that I just described Mm -hmm. is, is it's based on Pentecostal presuppositions about what the gift of healing is. And in that sense, it's the air that we breathe because most people aren't even conscious of the fact that. Is that an unfair accusation to make? Because what if some of those assumptions, whether right or wrong, People think that they have those assumptions because of what they think the Bible says about it. I mean, is that kind of 
It seems a little unfair. Well, of course they do. And, and, and of course you have historical arguments to make. I mean, I'm looking forward to the many passive-aggressive shots you're going to take <laughs> against me. You know, Jim, isn't it, doesn't, don't you feel weird that you believe something that only started in 1982? You know, I'm, I'm ready for those. <laughs> right. I am ready for those. And I know okay. you're going to make them because I, of I mean, you I have are. to. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, let's, let's, not get, let's not get too crazy. No, and all, all, I, all I'm saying is the, like... Most most people, what I mean is on, uh, your average Joe on the street who reads his Bible four times a week, uh, tries to read it seven, reads it four times a week, and hasn't really read any theology or whatever. His understanding of what the spiritual gift of healing is, is something that lines up not with everything that came prior to the Pentecostal movement in terms of how, like if you were to read the church fathers or to read the medieval or to read the reformers on what the spiritual gift of healing is, it doesn't line up with any of that. It lines up with the Pentecostal view. And that's what he means is like most people have those presuppositions and they haven't even thought about it. And mm-hmm. for a lot of people who have thought about it, they may continue to hold that. I'm not, I'm not denying that there are people who think about it and continue to hold it. I'm just saying what our Scott Clark said, which is your average Joe who hasn't thought about this instead of lining up with most of church history lines up with Pentecostal uh, theology, which makes it the air that we breathe in the sense that most people believe it and they don't even realize, you know, if you, if you ask a fish how the water is, he says, what the heck is water? What does Pentecostal air smell like? A glory cloud. Okay. <laughs> R. Scott Clark, the charismatic's friend. Well, now, now that you got your plug in, well, can Clark we... used to be a, uh, he used to be a Pentecostal or oh. a charismatic anyway. Oh, yeah. Obviously it worked well for him. Yes. Okay. He shaved his head. Well, uh, now that we got that out of the way, can we just uh, <laughs> cut this out and talk about me? This wow. is my episode. Wow. Okay. 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 I've been waiting yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, no. yeah. Well, no, uh, uh, you, you, you kind of wanted to uh, deconstruct me. Right. In order to do that, I need to tell you about me. Okay. Um, and I should tell you that when I uh, came to the faith, um, I mentioned this briefly uh, in the last episode, but um, I was helped along by a friend um, who was a hardcore, intense Assemblies of God guy. Assemblies okay. of God denomination for you out there. Which is uh, a pretty charismatic denomination. Uh, some churches are more charismatic than others. Not all are created equally. But uh, um, he, he led me along, um, led me to the Lord, I guess is the phrase that a lot of people use. Well, he did. And uh, it was about a year of him and I discussing back and forth and emailing back and forth. And, and he was my best friend. Um, so uh, we, we hung out a lot. And after about a year, I, uh, uh, I converted uh, I think it was in 2000, 2001. I can't remember the year quite. Were you, were you re-baptized at that time? Yes. Okay. I was re-baptized. Uh, no. No. Uh, this is a topic for another time. Okay. But I was not baptized until... You were an infant. 2005. You were an infant. So I, 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 I was baptized as an infant. Right. And then I was baptized again that one about count. four years. I know. <laughs> I know you know that, but this is my time. <laughs> <laughs> this is Baptist Hour at Lightest Form of Flogging. Thank you all for your time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not know this was going to be <laughs> Next thing. week is Presbyterian Covenanting uh, Get Your Matches Ready Hour. So we'll do that then, okay? <laughs> but we're going to talk about this today. No, you're being bad, Kyle. Um, and, and, but he was an uh, uh, intense Assemblies of God guy. And naturally, I went to the church he went to. Sure. And this was... Um, Thinking about this church today in preparation for this episode, a lot of, <laughs> let's just say a lot of memories have been flooding into my head. I've heard you speak of ribbon dancing before. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I joke with people in my life about that. Mm-hmm. 
because I've actually seen it. <laughs> People think, oh, Jim's just making a funny joke again. No one actually does that. Oh, no, I know people do it. It's it's done. Yeah. I've seen ribbon dancing. I've t- seen people go stuff. on hunts the- for Easter eggs. What do you mean? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> usually I, I'm keen to your jokes, but I missed that one. My apologies. That was a good one. You got me. Uh, we're we're coming up on Easter tide here, so yeah, yeah. We won't do an Easter episode though. Um, and uh, so so I jumped in head first to a pretty intense uh, church culture mm-hmm. of charismatic stuff. Um, some assemblies of God churches resemble, you know, maybe a slightly enthu- more enthused than normal Southern Baptist church. There's sure. a real range. There's some there's more conservative. There are others that are a little bit more liberal. There are some that are crazy, jumping off the walls, charismatic. And then there are others who just look bored in the in the pews. There's a there's a really wide diversity. But the one I went to was, uh, let's just say it was quite crazy. On and, a scale from one to ten, like an eight or nine, or like a ten. I don't think I can say 10, but I sure as heck can say nine. Okay. Okay. So that's, that gives that's, you an idea. Like nobody was dying, but. Yeah, well, I, I don't say 10 because no one was resurrected from the dead. Um, <laughs> so I can't say 10, but well, everything else there's happened. There's such thing as a 10. I know. Uh, so, so that just gives you an idea of kind of the culture I was in. I certainly wasn't rebelling against that, mm-hmm. uh, to your point. But, um, um, and I stayed in that church for about two years. And that was the norm for me. Um, this was before I became reformed, before I really read much of anything. I was just reading the Bible and going to church and uh, seeing all this crazy stuff. I will say, though, um, I never really participated in much of it. I would say I was 90% observing kind of what was going on. It wasn't freaking me out. I want to paint a visual picture in our listener's head as I ask yeah. this question. Okay. How good at ribbon dancing were you? I imagine that I could be. <laughs> you know, it's all about visualizing. Right. You right. know, if you visualize something, you can probably pull it off. But um, I think that's, uh, that's like word of faith. So right? that became uh, the norm for me. Um, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spare you and the audience some details of the things that I've seen. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that all of it was probably authentic. This is one of those um, but few cases where you're actually sparing our listeners, which is great. Yeah. I'm sure they... Because uh, I honestly... You we know, don't do this the, every day. You know the honest reason why I'm not doing it? Because I don't know how they'd handle it. And I don't know how you would handle it. Hmm. That's kind of how the charge... Part of it could becoming be. like Jesus is learning how to flip over tables. Right. And maybe in time... I will tell you some of those stories. Maybe I'll tell them to you in private and you can tell me, Jim, don't do it. That'll sink the podcast or maybe you won't speak to me again. I don't know. If we get 30 iTunes, 30 reviews. iTunes reviews, I will reveal uh, the top five craziest things I've seen when I went to that church. You won't believe number three. You won't believe. <laughs> Let us form a flogging clickbait. You know we're going to do it, but we're going to mock it. Uh, so moving on. Um, I, you know, I, I'm not sure really what happened. Uh, I think, uh, like the pastor was accused of something and he was pushed out of the church was congregational. Um, and he left and I think that it just inspired me to go try something new. And those two years were probably the, the high point of my charismatic life. And then from there it just went just down into nothing. Really, Mm -hmm. I went to a non-denominational Baptist seeker friendly church right after that. 
pretty big uh, change. And that church was, I don't think they were cessationists, but they weren't really doing anything that you would consider charismatic. Um, and from there, a couple of years after that, I went to a uh, union school where I really received my theological, um, uh, every, everything just fast forwarded there mm-hmm. where I became reformed. And from that point up until a couple of years ago, I was functionally cessationist. But theologically, theologically, like, like Dick Carson. Uh-huh. You know, he is he is charismatic, but he's just concentrating on other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is kind of... You were be- like D.A. Carson. Got it. Let me write that down. <laughs> I only wish. I read a lot <laughs> of D.A. Carson. I'm a, uh, we went to battle together in school. What? No, I read a lot of his books and used them in papers and things like that. If, oh, I've been to battle I thought you him. went to battle like... like with, Actual battle. Like side by side, like dwarf and elf, not like... <laughs> <laughs> Not like dwarf and side by side with a friend. <laughs> yeah, there, I, I was hoping you would I, get that reference because I can what... do that. I could do that. I could do that. So, um, uh, and I should mention that this probably was for a couple of different reasons where I kind of moved away from that. I was never cessationist, but um, in Southern Baptist culture, uh, this is this really isn't a debate that anyone wants to have or cares about. Mm-hmm. No one really cares if you're charismatic or not. I'm making broad. Is it general. don't ask, don't tell? Maybe, maybe <laughs> like that. No, because don't ask, don't tell is 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 don't don't ask or don't tell because I'm afraid of what might happen if you do. That, that's not even that. Just no one really cares. So there were there were some charismatics um, in uh, at school mm-hmm. that I that I knew about only because I asked. Did they? Did they, they didn't care. Did they go out into the uh, like the the dorm area? Uh, and just scream at the top of their lungs at 3 a.m. and call that speaking in tongues. And throwing glitter. Because this is, a, this is definitely a thing. Glitter. This was a part of my college experience. <laughs> oh, okay. You wake up at 3 in the morning and there's a young woman out in the... like The, the dorms are like uh, individual buildings. There's a young woman out there just screaming, blood curdling, like... Like if you can imagine running a banshee through a blender, like that sound. Why? Um, was it... And she, she called was, it speaking in tongues. When, when uh, she was asked, like, why are you doing this? She's like, oh, I speak in tongues. It's like, there were dorms at Moody? This was at uh, Karen. Oh, okay. Which really? is the wow. school I went to before Moody. Yikes. Which, it's a lot similar. It's well, like a... Well, never mind. I'm sure she's... Uh, I'm sure she's doing well these days. From those formative experiences. She probably can't speak, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, but uh, but uh, in good old Southern Baptist-dom down south, uh, no one really talked about this. And as a result, um, I kind of, I didn't really forget about it, but uh, it didn't really matter much to me mm-hmm. what I was, because I was concentrating on other things. I was reading, like a, Carson. I was, I was discovering quite a few authors like R.C. Sproul. You know, the parallels are striking. What? You and D.A. Carson. You know, would you get off of that? <laughs> I totally didn't mean that. And now you're not letting me, you're not letting it go. Oh, well. I mean, he has you probably several should, degrees. You, you probably sh- okay, I went to college. It. I got it. We're supposed to make this podcast funny. Remember? Well, Jim? we're both uh, reformed charismatics. And, there you go. Uh, yeah, you can't be in that. Club. He wrote a commentary we have jackets and, and on First Corinthians. We have 12 member cards. <laughs> you read a commentary on First Corinthians twelve through fourteen. I read it not that long ago. It was pretty good. Although I was disappointed that he was so enthusiastic about Wayne Grudem's view of prophecy. That was a little disappointing. Hmm. That's another nut we could crack later. Mm-hmm. Wayne Grudem stuff. Because th- I'm predicting at what? this point that we will cover prophecy. At some point. Uh, yeah, we should. Because uh, I want to talk to you about that. 
um, because I differ with some of my. Sorry, I did it again. I'm moving my chair, and you're giving me looks. <laughs> well, it's just this rolling um, noise that like makes its way into the podcast. Um, so, so I became pretty much a functional cessationist, not because I uh, um, was afraid of charismatic, but because thought. the Holy Spirit doesn't do those sorts of things. But because anymore. the Holy Spirit changed my heart. No, <laughs> um, I was reading a lot of cessationist cessationist authors, and I was really into the. I was reading a lot of cessationist authors and like, you know, like John MacArthur, you know, um, and R.C. Sproul. Those guys became my heroes. Um, and um, yeah, it just didn't matter that much to me because I wasn't in a charismatic setting. I was in a Southern Baptist setting where everyone is calm and bored. Um, so uh, I, wanna, I graduated. Can I interject with a question yeah. here? Yeah. Um, Am I getting boring? I feel like I'm getting boring. I'm boring myself. Well, I'm you, just you trying to keep spice us this to up. the. Uh, spice well, I was up. trying to by comparing you to D.A. Carson, and you got all mad at me. I wasn't mad at you. Like, I was bad ca- cop. No, I was helping with the bit. Oh, uh, and, and I'm a method oh, actor, so I, I, thought, I get into it. See, I just thought you. Okay, I get yeah. it. Yeah, I, I might like lunge after you, <laughs> but it's not real. So let it happen. If the hands go around. The, do, do we have a safe word? <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyways. Oh <sighs> um, uh, no. So my question: She wants the rose. Just say that, and I'll stop. <laughs> Um, what do we do so your question is anything but this Um, my question is so you're at that point let's say two three years into your time at union my question is you've had that background of well you've had the background of lutheranism to some degree right with the high church or did you just never go to church i I can't i can't really say that my Lutheran background has any influence on me because really, well, no, I know. I, I just, just went. Saying, did there. you remember it? Yeah. Okay. So you remembered that, and you remember like you've had three fairly different church experience. You've had really high Lutheran church. Yeah. Uh, like high high church. <laughs> high church. It was really high, tall. Yeah. Uh, in Colorado, you're talking about like <laughs> high liturgy, kind yeah, of high deal? liturgy okay. church, and then you've had like really, really low. high like people <laughs> doing um, church drunk in the spirit okay yeah. yeah um so you've had the the the, the high yeah. pentecostal those are extremes and now you're you're going to an sbc church i'm betting there's like a worship team and an acoustic guitar yeah i play drums and they probably still have an organ but they don't play it they do robed uh <laughs> choir people in the back i love still have an organ. I, could, I know no one does <laughs> we had an organ at gcf and no one played it we got rid of it but anyways i think i could make a career out of like cold reading people based on their denominational history yeah um, uh, but anyway, well, I will say, I will say the, my philosophy professor actually played organ at our church. It was the only time I've ever seen an organ played in a church anywhere. Hmm. And he was right to my left. I was playing an electronic drum set and here's a guy playing organ. <laughs> we made it work. Baby. I'm just, I'm just really surprised that we haven't moved back to using organs more often because, yeah. you know, millennials all are about making things organic and what better way. Yeah. All so, right. Anyways, so the question uh, that I so have the, here, the contrast. you've got you've got these three very different experiences. What did you prefer? Like when you were at when you were at your FBC church, were yeah. you longing for somebody to just start wow. screaming at the top of their lungs while flailing a ribbon in the air? Great question. I will say no. Hmm. When I was when I was going to church down there, no. Did you miss any of it? Like even I like I did. I did. Okay, but what it wasn't. Did you it wasn't going to happen. Um, where I was going to church. I mean, it's just, it's just not a thing. It's just right. not a thing people care about down there. Now, I mean, I'm making a lot of generalizations here. There, I mean, there, there are people that do. Well, just like there are SBC churches run by beer drinking Calvinists, but yeah, they're true. in Illinois. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. We oh, don't talk man. about them. 
Oh, I, I want to talk about that because he, he is bucking so many trends. Uh, he's just good. He's good. Uh, who are we talking about? We're talking about Joe Thorne. Okay. I couldn't remember. Joe freaking Thorne. I Joe couldn't remember his name. Joe freaking Thorne. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know. That's a difficult question. It's a really interesting question, but it's kind of difficult for me to answer because um, there are some things I'm just going to have to hold intention on that because I did miss it, mm-hmm. but I didn't miss everything about it. Um, looking back, there there was a lot of error around me. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. like you're, you're, you know, you're over there saying amen in your head. I was actually shouting glory, I, but glory, yeah. glory, but I don't, I don't, I don't, oh, I don't I miss that. Vibrato. I don't miss that. I, I'm multi-talented. <laughs> I embroider really well too. Um, <laughs> I, I missed some parts about it, but because it was just such a far off dream, there was really no way I could experience any of that. I just accepted where I was and your college, I, but let me say this though. Um, I, I experienced to a great degree, not maybe not officially a cessationist type of polity or church living. I don't know what to call it, but it was at least functionally so. And mm-hmm. I and I liked it, mm-hmm. and I understood. I learned a little bit more about the cessationist position, and and learned that you could you know be in a church that's cessationist and uh, still get the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you can be saved in it. You can evangelize people in it. You can you can be a Christian and go to a cessationist church. I finally learned that. I appreciate that and you're I, telling I, me this. Well, well uh, <laughs> I think you get. You I think you get my meaning. Yeah, I you and D. A. Carson do not think de- that I'm not saved. Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course, you are. But what I'm trying to say is, I don't think I was missing out on too much at the time. Mm-hmm. So I, I was. I don't think you were either. <laughs> I know you. Boy, here they come. I'm going to start tallying these little shots you take at me. Tallying? I'm going to tally them. Okay. We're at like nine already. Do you need a pen? No. It's, uh, yeah, I actually do. Um, so I'm going to want that back. Okay. It has a glory glitter on it. Are you okay with that? Oh my gosh, it really does. Yeah, okay. That's the thing about glitter, people. Like, um, don't let it into your life. So an opportunity arose when we moved to Spokane. Uh, me, uh, my wife, and young child. When we moved to Spokane, there uh, we found this church. That was um, I almost asked why you didn't bring the rest of your kids. And I've never seen the two of those uh, in one church before. Because I became a Calvinist. I was, I guess, charismatic. And I happened to find a church that um, identified with being both Reformed Charismatic. This new category I've never heard of before. And that's why I thought, at least initially, that there's hardly anybody out there that believes both of those things at the same time. And here we are. We Shortly after we got there, um, the church that I'm a part of now became a part of the sovereign grace network. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years after that, they left when everything went bad. We'll leave that for another day. Well, yeah. And that wasn't, it wasn't related to whatever, like if you've heard about that controversy, it really wasn't related to that. No, no, it was no. for other reasons. But anyway, um, but, um, but nevertheless, I was in a church uh, for a long time that was reformed charismatic. Even, even then, um, but functionally cessationist, but too. functionally cessationist for a long time. And I think I, and I, and I, I think I can say that because, some people might listen to this who are part of the church mm-hmm. and might disagree, but this is this is something that at least the elders, a couple of them, have said. Right, and I, I don't think this is this well, is and I mean wrong it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why you're probably there, and, and now that we're starting to go crazy on you, um, and, and you heard the, it, I did not, I did not call it crazy. Uh, I did, and I can because I am cessationist. Yeah, I have, uh, I have, I have, I have charismatic friends. I can call it crazy. Yeah, yeah, um, and. and but I was comfortable because I spent so much time down south um, in a cessationist culture. 
they didn't really care much about spiritual gifts. However, um, I've been doing a lot of reading lately um, uh, on the topic uh, and uh, trying to iron out some inconsistencies if I were in my, to ask my own theology. What authors you've read on this? Would you be able to spot uh, Well, the patron saint of Reformed Charismatics is, drumroll, do you know? Wayne Carson. No. <laughs> no. That sounds like uh, a basketball player. No, a little bit of Wayne Grudem. I mean, he's kind of a, he's kind of a big, a big wig. In oh, the, he's, in the I would argue he's the guy who made it I don't at think a he's as much a level, the, uh, an intellectually acceptable yes. thing to do. Okay, then, then, then point to you. You're right about that. I'm thinking of Sam Storms. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah. His last name, man. <laughs> he could have done anything. Weatherman. Mostly Weatherman. Colonel Sam Storms here reporting. I know he could do Colonel? a lot of things. Yeah. Well, well, then, he could, then he could make chicken. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I sometimes don't know what to do with your jokes. Like, like, I don't know if I need to assist or just laugh or do nothing. But usually it's just an awkward do reaction. Nothing is good. Do I nothing, think... yeah. Just let you kind of float. Because then the, then the listeners at home can hear themselves yeah. groaning. I uh, read some uh, Sam Storms. Read a little bit of Wayne Grudem uh, from his systematic theology. Mm-hmm. On, he has uh, a book on that. Yeah, he does. He wrote a book on prophecy that was influential. Uh, the the current his view of prophecy. I don't want to get into it. This isn't mm-hmm. a theological podcast. But but he, let's just say, in short, that he proposed a certain viewing or a certain articulation of the gift of prophecy that is quite popular these days, it, oh. especially among reform. Although, actually, what he, what he proposed is not substantially different from the Pentecostal view. Okay. Um, I did a little bit of him, uh, a lot of Sam Storms, uh, some D.A. Carson. Um, what's his name? I'm blanking. Uh, he wrote a commentary in First Corinthians that's popular. Help me out. New International Commentary on the New Testament. Uh, you have the whole series. It's not Moo, is it? Not Moo. Um, Gordon Fee. Oh, that guy. I read he's, his, he's a charismatic. He's, he's a Pentecostal. A, he's, he is a Pentecostal. He's a Assemblies of God guy. Right. And uh, um, he uh, technically, he's a... He's a charismatic guy he takes a charismatic view of at least first corinthians 12 through 14 right and i read the commentary on that so i'm just you know reading this stuff our church is preaching through or or has preached through first corinthians 12 through 14 and i'm using it as an opportunity to kind of iron out some things that i've left dormant for so long um and our church is 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 trying to honestly much to david's fear and fright and despair uh is, I'm I really just, hope I'm, our I'm pastors having, don't I'm listen to this because they're just going to be like, "I'm having, we're being real." Because David on. doesn't like us. David doesn't like us. He's gonna, he's gonna rebel. It's fine. David doesn't like anyone. Um, yeah, it just, yeah, it's an equal opportunity uh, non enjoyer of people. That's you. Yeah, it's um, just people. So I'm trying to get back into it, become a little bit more consistent on some of my views, know what I believe. Which, which of the, uh, which of the, uh, the cessationists have you read? On like, like a critique. Uh, I mean, on on the issue of cessationism. Um, on, I'm probably most familiar with uh, John MacArthur's view on, on okay, the so subject. You, you really He's don't understand hard. historic, ref, like historic cessationism, let alone reform cessationism. Well, I read a chapter. Uh, I just read through J.I. Packer's uh, book on the Puritans, Quest for Godliness. Uh-huh. And he had a chapter in there, I think, that he, I don't know if it was specifically on spiritual gifts or if it just talked about it, but I just read through that and, and read a little bit about a how they viewed it and his claim was they don't they didn't really view spiritual gifts like we are currently right now right charismatic in, in yeah they in didn't even define them the same way it seemed to me like they didn't really not that they didn't care but it really wasn't a priority it just wasn't a category they had in their minds they had yeah it was that, it what, like, like grudem dedicates like two sections of his systematic theology and a Puritan to it. wouldn't do that right no it would it would um 
it would really come up more in commentaries. And okay. something to the to the Puritans and the Reformers' credit is they wrote far more commentaries than they wrote systematic theologies. Okay. But what we've actually dug up, translated, mm-hmm. and republished has largely been systematic theology. So you get this impression okay. that they were only into systematics. No, they wrote a lot of commentaries. And mm-hmm. they would have dealt with it in, in first in First Corinthians and Romans, etc. So systematically, it's not really a priority. They wouldn't really insert much of it into their books. But if they wrote commentaries, and they did, and we read them, we would... We would yeah. what we're looking for. Uh, so yeah, I guess the answer, the short answer to your question is I haven't read a lot on uh, that cessationist right on the topic, just passing comments online. You know, if there's a discussion online, like on Facebook or something mm-hmm. uh, that, and cessationists uh, articulate their view, that's pretty much, so I want to, I want to like put articles a, online, but I haven't like read a, like a book or anything. I want to put a pin here because yeah. there's, there's a topic here that kind of grates at me. But I don't like not not something like like not you personally, but there's there's a topic here that I want to address it might be better for an after show. Um, so I guess this is my uh, are we there yet? How how far do we have to go to to meet up with Jim Briggs where he is today? Uh, if we want to talk about the new covenant theology thing, we can. Oh, yeah, we could talk about that because those are my two things. Just, you know, charismatic and new covenant theology in terms of like distinctives, how I would depart from the historical reform position. Right. Well, that and Baptist. Hey, uh, and all the 1689. David getting said, the getting the, the cookies in. Yeah, I I, I am not going to be very helpful to the 1689ers if right. there are any listening. Right. Just have patience with me. I'm getting there. <laughs> I just have no, not that I'm going to become one, but you know, to art to to articulate Understand and, and articulate speak to position, yeah. and and help have them in on the conversation that we're having here in this virtual pub of thought that is the lightest form of flogging. They don't really have a seat at the table yet because I just don't know where the seat is. But when I find it, <laughs> they're welcome. But you, just, just stand over there. Yeah, just kind of stay outside for now, 1689ers. We'll get to you. I think that we have talked a lot about the charismatic issue. Yeah, we have. And I mean, I have essentially... I can go really fast on the new... I think it's important to talk about. Okay. Uh, if, you, I, if, I was if you don't think that's going to make its own subject, feel free. Bring that up now. So, um, that summarizes kind of the charismatic thing. Uh-huh. Um, I'm kind of, I'm trying to find a pathway back to my charismatic roots, but I'm doing it differently this time because I'm a reform guy now mm-hmm. and I have to try and figure out what it means to carrying a tulip, carrying a tulip. Yeah. I'm, I'm walking back in the ribbon dancing, carrying a tulip. And uh, I have to figure out how that works. Not sure how it's going to work, but I'm going to keep trying. Much to your disappointment. (laughs) Once again, another disappointment for (laughs) David McCookie. And if this podcast can just serve as a slight roadblock, I will consider my job done. Yep. I have another thing, though. I have another thing that that keeps you up at night. Full Um, disclosure, you have a lot of things that keep me up at night. Oh, you did say that. (laughs) You did say that. That was kind of funny because I I came prepared to talk about two things. I put on this document the issue of worship and you just flat out erased that. I I erased it because that is a whole thing and we're we're, we're, we're compacting a lot into an episode already. We're already kind of close to running out of time. Well, what I want to do with this document and listeners can hear this because they're going to at the beginning of each episode, we're going to pick a topic. From yeah. a list that we've I all assumed that you wanted to do spend all. a little bit of do time. it all, huh? I kind of assumed that you wanted to do it all, but I won't think initially that next I time. did. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this document that we're looking at right now on my 27 inch monitor and I am going to convert it into just a list of topics 
And we're just going to have a list of like 30 topics and yeah. they're going to be kind of categorized into things about me and things about you. And maybe within that we'll have like theology and then less theological or something like that, some sort of hierarchy, but we'll just be able to look at that every episode and go, all right, what do you want to talk about? And okay. both of us will know that these topics are coming so that we can think about them. Uh, all right. And I, you know, if you're not ready for something, we can, we can pick something else, but that's, that's how this is going to go. I think. Okay. Well, I'll just go with you on this. So you want to, but you want to, cause I mentioned, I trust in theology under this heading. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Another weird thing about me, uh, so in college also, uh, when I was kind of shedding some of my old charismatic roots and replanting them, I guess is the word, the phrase to use. I also was <laughs> grappling with a question that was really serious to me at the time. I wanted to figure out the role of the law in my life. Hmm. Now, remember last episode, I talked about the great civil war between uh, Arminians and Calvinists. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think this is a civil war, but there certainly have been skirmishes in the Christian community on what the Christian, how the Christian should relate to. Oh yeah. Like the the fourth commandment. Okay. Uh, I'm not not bringing that up now, but like that is a really clear classic example. Yeah. yeah, You know, that probably is the best example. Mm-hmm. If you're just looking at the Ten Commandments, I mean, that's the one commandment. If you're going to break them, that's the one we've been breaking all this whole time. Yeah. I mean, according our, to you. Our pastor our pastor has said to me that where you come down on the fourth commandment will tell him a lot about your theology. And it, yeah. it really will. Like what, on this, what you do on with this the, issue of the, the Lord's law, Day. I mean, and- yeah. On the, on the issue of the law, on the issue of the covenants, like where you come down on that is going to, to speak volumes about what yeah. you believe about how the Bible is structured. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I, th- I, th- I think I see that. Um, well, I, as a younger man, was really struggling with this with this question of, you know, I learned about the Ten Commandments in Sunday school growing up. Oh, yeah, because Luther. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and, and with the reading that I was starting to do, I started to see that this, there's this developing conflict that some people said one thing, this is how you relate to the law of Moses, and then this other camp over here was saying something completely different. And I'm thinking, well, what do I do? I mean, this is kind of a big deal. I mean, either I'm going to follow this stuff, I want to avoid legalism, I want to avoid antinomianism, I don't That's want... That's being against lawn gnomes for our less right, educated yeah, listeners. Yeah being against the law. And this was, this, this became kind of a crucial question for me that I was really struggling to find an answer on. Quick question. uh, I mean, there are verse. Yes. Do you remember, uh, like the Lutheran law grace distinctive? Was that playing a role in this at all at the time? Maybe, uh, unconsciously, but I couldn't articulate what that is. Okay. Cause like Lutherans reformed and new covenant, they all have different takes on like law and gospel and how you define those and everything. I guess the phrase that is thrown around, um, is, is the law binding on Christians? You know, uh, I guess that's the, that's, that's which is really an unhelpful question, but that's another episode. What's a better way of of articulating that you think? Um, like the problem Christians compelled to obey the 10 commandments. That's, that's great. But by by anything at all. Okay. Compelled, compelled by anything, whether that's fear of hell or whether that's fear of discipline or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I really started to try and seek out an answer to that question and I stumbled upon, uh, I stumbled upon a book. Here, I have it written down. I better get this right. Uh, it was called New Covenant Theology by Fred Zaspel and Tom Wells, which is uh, the, both of those guys are kind of prominent New Covenant Theology uh, authors. But this uh, this book called New Covenant Theology was an attempt to answer that question and come up with something clear. And I was looking for clarity. Uh, now, I will say this. At the time, I didn't really know enough about the views mm-hmm. to seek out all of them because mm-hmm. I, I just didn't know what they were. I had no idea what covenant theology was at the time. Mm-hmm. 
But I stumbled upon this book. Did they treat covenant theology there at all? Like talk about it? Uh, not explicitly. Okay. Cause remember that pin, the, that explicit. pin that I put in yeah. that I'm going to talk about later. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say one of the things that exasperates that for me is that like I read kingdom through covenants treatment of covenant theology. I'm sorry. And I found I it, I found it really upsetting because they did not describe covenant theology accurately. So really, uh, yeah, they, they didn't. And, and that, that was one of the things, because sometimes you read something that's treating an older doctrine and realizing that actually most of the books that I've read that treat older doctrines don't do them justice. Okay. Don't, don't describe them accurately. But anyway, we'll get into that. Uh, you were saying about yeah. New Covenant Theology, the book, you read it. I should probably define it. I looked for some... Def- oh, have fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, yeah, and we're going to talk about why this, might, this is kind of difficult, but I did this on my own. Because I was looking at some definitions online, and I just thought I should I should just use this as a learning moment and try and define it on my own. So this is Jim here, mm-hmm. and remember, this podcast is not for theological precision or really precision on anything except how to do something terrible. No, this podcast is horseshoes and hand grenades for theology. Yeah, oh, I like that. That might be our you top, throw our a title. horseshoe at a hand grenade. No, you throw a you throw a grenade a at hand- a horse. Okay, and you get the horseshoes when you have to clean up. See, what? I'm making a Parks and Recreation reference right now. And I'm not, I'm not helping you at all. So, New Covenant <laughs> Theology is a system of interpreting the transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant in the overall story of redemption. New Covenant Theology places a great emphasis on the distinction and newness, that's big, distinction and newness of the New Covenant over the Old, and as such, uh, will go as far as to claim that the entire Old Testament law Moses' law has been abrogated and fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Christians are now required to submit and live under the law of Christ and obey his commands. That's what, look at you. Oh, if you can see the look. <laughs> I gave Jim a look intentionally. Yeah. And, and, you're, and, and obviously, if you haven't figured it out, David is not a proponent of New Covenant theology. No, I mean, what you, what you just said to me sounded very, like, painfully antinomian. If I'm being perfectly honest. Did you miss the part where the, the, the New Covenant Christian has to submit to the law of Christ? I did not miss that part. Okay. Yeah. I just, Obviously, you disagree. I define that as the same law you as disagree. the law of Moses in the Ten Commandments. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. But you can't, say the you can't say they're antinomian. Like, they're not submitting to anything. They're submitting to something. You may not like it. Yeah. You may not agree with let, it. Let me, let me ask you this. You may think that it's just a, an assault on oh logic gosh, we itself. We do not have time to get into this. But let, let this me is my you, time. Let me ask you. Yes. If somebody says, I, uh, I uphold all of the Ten Commandments except the one against adultery. I think that you can have sex with whoever you want, whenever you want. Would okay. you call that person an antinomian? They're, they're really he, against he, he's anti one of the laws, right? So you're so the if I'm anticipating what you're about to say, the fourth why you did the fourth yeah. commandment? Yeah, well, yeah, like I think well, the new commandment against adultery points us new, to Christ. New covenant people have an answer for that. I don't think it's the same as the guy who's just saying, "Oh, I can commit adultery because it doesn't apply to me." There right. is it's 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 no, and I, 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 I don't know mean you don't to, like they're the not, answer. They're not but equivalent. It, I'm just saying if you discard the application of a whole commandment, yeah. I think I, I would say that technically you are an answer. You're not as antinomian as you can they're be. Pointing, they're pointing. They're not just making that up. They're pointing to a specific passage or passages, probably in the book of Hebrews, that inform their understanding that they're not discarding it. They're saying that there was an end to this. That's why it's, I, that it's was very, I was very specific I don't like to that. say they're denying the application of it. Uh, uh, so does that then make you an antinomian? 
or because if the definition well, I would argue of anti- that technically it does make them ant- again they're not as antinomian or y- you <laughs> yeah. anti- the new covenant theologians are not as antinomian as they could be like you could be so really antinomian and, yeah it, it is a matter of degrees but technically and maybe i'll just have to accept that if reformed theology is correct technically new covenant theology is antinomian on one or more of the commandments well folks what you just heard is basically a, a skirmish that i kind of referred to uh, between yeah, that, there's the skirmish. It's a skirmish, yeah. Right. Was it's that not really a, it's at, not a at your uh, union skirmishes, yeah. Because there mm. were people that are like, what, what do we do? Mm-hmm. What do we do now? Because if we do this, if we if we go for something like, I mean, they didn't use new covenant theology, but like you know, the question of is it fulfilled? Is it abrogated? What do we do? Because the SBC has a history of upholding the Sabbath in some parts, in some places, doesn't it? I can't speak to that. Um, but, uh, what I will say is, um, the fear of getting it wrong was very real. Sure. Um, because I mean, there are passages in the Bible that seem to indicate that if you do, if you do get it wrong, it's not going to go well for you, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like teaching Mm -hmm. other people, Mm -hmm. uh, like a position of new covenant theology. And if you're wrong, you're in big trouble. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, those kind of things are swirling around in my head. And when I read that book, um, God help me, uh, it made sense, and I adopted it at the time. That really was all the the, the extent of the reading that I did. Mm-hmm. In the intervening years, Fast between, forward. between then and now, I read a couple more books. I read Kingdom Through Covenant by Stephen William, Stephen William, Stephen Wellam and Peter Gentry. I struggled through it because it was just so dang wordy and long. And I think it's like listening to me talk. Like, you'll never understand <laughs> what my point is. <laughs> You're just going to hear me talk forever. And it's just incredibly frustrating to listen to someone talk and not get to the point. That was what it was like reading that book. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the, um, do you remember the, uh, that's Zon- one of those places where you're not like D.A. Carson. <laughs> the, well, do you remember that book series? Like, um, like three views on this, four views on oh, that. Yeah, the counterpoint series from Zondervan. Yeah. From Zondervan. Um, there was one on long gospel, five views on long gospel yep. and Douglas Moo basically articulated the new covenant position. It was called modified Lutheran, but it's which basically new covenant ish side sidebar here. Uh, a lot of people will tell you that Douglas Moo is the spiritual successor to Charles Hodge. And what you just said basically debunks him from ever possibly being because a spiritual the, successor because new covenant theology yeah, yeah. ever. So people say that because like, Oh, if you, if you were, if you like Hodge, you'll love Douglas Moo. I'm yeah. like, I don't like Douglas Moo. I like Hodge. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, um, and in those intervening years, I didn't really spend much time on it, but I was func- I was basically a New Covenant guy. Mm-hmm. I couldn't really tell you much about it. I just that burning question was what I wanted resolved, and it was. And um, I mean, there's not a lot on New Covenant theology. I mean, even the New Covenant theologians don't like being called New Covenant theologians. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to do like a Google like John search. Piper or John yeah. Piper, D.A. Carson, uh, Tom Schreiner is another guy who doesn't really like the label, but articulates the view. Perfectly. Yeah, he prefers political correct. No, uh, progressive covenantal. It's the same abbreviation. Yeah, yeah. and that's the, basically the same thing. I, I can't remember if there were much. There are yeah. distinctions. I had a friend get pretty upset with me for saying that they're basically the same thing, but they're very similar. <laughs> well, maybe that's true, but I, I, I don't know. I don't really know too much about it. Um, the differences. I, I just thought they were basically the same. But the point is. I started to learn a little bit more about covenant theology. I didn't learn it in college. I learned it here uh, because of you. Uh, that book club that we mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. were part of when we read um, 
John Brown's questions and answers on yeah. the shorter catechism. So I started learning a little bit more about it. Which is it. a really bad place to go to start with Reformed theology. Well, no, what I meant was it was a catalyst. It was a spark. Sure. I, just started, I started learning a little bit more about it. I started thinking about this question again, you know. Um, Don't get me wrong. It's a good book. It's just a bad place sure, to start. Yeah. Um, and I learned a little bit more about covenant theology. And this is where I mentioned it in the last episode where <laughs> uh, everything kind of went wrong and I became worse. That's what this is. The, part of it was this question of covenant theology versus new covenant theology. Where do I stand? And I came out of it still new covenant theology. However, I have some reluctance. Hmm. Um, and I would say that I am a new covenant guy, mm-hmm. but I'm uncomfortable with a lot of things about it. Hmm. The lack of, of scholarly output on the subject. Hmm. It's not that old. Mm-hmm. Essentially, I, I read something today that argument could be made that if, if you've made Baptist arguments, you have made proto-New Covenant theologian arguments. Hmm. So, I mean, you can't really say that just started 20 years ago. Uh, morning stars erupted. Yeah, but this know? is like last episode where I told you that uh, Ryrie says that anybody who believes in two covenants yeah, the, no is one was dispensationalist. Named. No one was named, but I think they were just trying to say that it's a little bit unfair just to say that it all of a sudden occurred to someone, you know, in, in a totally university. A it totally all of a sudden occurred to somebody. But uh, but uh, the, the, <laughs> the beliefs, the, some of the beliefs, the, the skeleton of the idea, uh, you can't just say it just all of a sudden started one day. And I'll kind of wrap this up, but um, I hold that position, and that makes me distinct from the historical reform position. The charismatic thing does. Mm-hmm. The new covenant thing does. I have a hunch. In that sense, I am a theological orphan, like Matt Chandler said. Now, I have a lot of people that agree with me. Right. Breathing. And it's getting bigger and bigger. What you need are more corpses. Yeah. But... Ooh, uh, episode title. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, to, to sum it up... I the historical argument that you make will continue to make and have been making gives me pause that I will make in the, uh, in the after show. I want yeah. you to know that it doesn't, it doesn't just, I, I don't just discard it. Sure. It gives me pause. Um, but I have to figure out where my authority is. What, on what grounds do I decide to believe something? Mm-hmm. And something else has to have much, much greater priority as much as it hurts me to do so, and it would hurt you to do so. Um, Are you talking about the Bible? Yeah. Us biblicists that you guys dislike so much. <laughs> Just <laughs> Us non-confessional people always bring up that dang pesky Bible when we oh, counter you goodness. guys. Um, I'm just, I'm going to let you be bad cop here. I'm not going to respond. And I'm kind of being half Your funny. straw man but, will but go. I'm trying to say, well, I'm not. Unresponded. Uh, that, that hasn't been the first straw man mentioned in this podcast, but... Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I have to, uh, but what I'm trying to say is I'm, I'm not discarding what you're saying, the historical argument. I'm not. You're talking about the after show. It gives me pause. Um, like the thing that I will have said in the after show. I'm stupid. I can't re- keep all that stuff straight in my head. You're the smart <laughs> we'll one. Just, I'm the dumb one. Let's we'll just that's, go back and pretend you didn't say those things. Uh, it's okay. You're, you're the editor. I feel so bad for you. Um, but, uh, but that's another one. No, there's a lot of other things that uh, I probably believe. Like, I mean, uh, what am I going to do? Talk about my amillennial position and how weird that makes me? No. Amillennial is pretty... I mean, pretty everyone's a non-millennial. Some are post-millennial, but they're kind of close cousins. They are, yeah. Um, and that's, so, that's an issue with far fewer... Yeah. Like, honestly, I'm not sure. If you were to ask me, you're charismatic, you're new covenant, and you're also... I don't know if you're normative principle, but your interpretation of the regular principle lines yeah. up more with normative. Norma, 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 nor
I, I guess, but but the the very little reading I did on the normative principle right. kind of freaked me out. If so. you were to ask me which has the most important and and practical uh, impact on how you live your life, I would, in comparison to like a reform position, I would probably say regulative principle might be the biggest one. Really? Um, although I understand that that kind of grows out of New Covenant theology. Yeah. So it kind of, maybe it's New Covenant hermen- theology is... It's a hermeneutical thing for me. Right. Which has to affect everything. So yeah. I guess I can see that. So anyway, but but worship, I, I would consider to be an extremely important issue. And I'm okay. very yeah. sad that you removed it from our topic list. And I'm sorry. Be adding it back. I'm sorry. Well, I thought it would take too much time. That's well, the yeah, for this episode. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. you're right. But I, we're going we'll to create a new list. I know we'll talk about it eventually. Probably next week when we, when you articulate what it is and. Oh, you have to you have to decide what you want me to talk yeah, about. Yeah, next week. I, I, that's what I mean. Is I'm going to you haven't I'm, even I'm you haven't even given me a list here yet. Well, it's, uh, we're doing me today. Yeah, yeah, and I still only. I just talk like I, I want to think time. about me this week. So get okay. that list to me. I will. I I will commit to doing that. So. Okay. But anyways, um, that's kinda, that's all I have to say. Well, the, that the, is all. Yeah. Okay. That's all I had prepared for for today. My distinctive. Okay. So remember back when I said put a pin in that? Yes, I do remember. Uh, all that time ago. At this point, long ago. <laughs> Full disclosure, we actually recorded this. Uh, we, this is all out of order. Yeah, this is all out of order. Uh, but it's a work in progress. Why don't we go ahead and address, because what I have here is what you might call a paper cut or yeah. a uh, just a complaint or a uh, this, is, this is the David ranting hour. A little thing. This is the after show. I'll entertain that. If you didn't like this show to this point, you're going to like what comes next even yes. less. And I know, I know that is wildly unbelievable. <laughs> Well, this with is, my good looks and your hard work, we're going to go far. This is like like attending an event where they torture you in new and unique ways just to see if they're even possible. Like, yeah. I heard you do things with, with pliers and car batteries that defy physics. Okay. What a dark way to, to end the regular show, to segue into the, to the, the after show. That being said, welcome to a slightly heavier form of flogging. I'm actually curious what your 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 thing is, your your problem. You wanted to put a put a pin in it. I did put a pin in it. Can you take the pin off and tell me what it, what it is? All right. So I'm just I'm curious. So this is this is what this gets this gets at what drove me to where I am. Okay. And what is maddening to me is that it doesn't. And this this is normal for me. This is normal behavior is to find the behavior of other people maddening, um, because it things bother me that don't bother other people. And it also I'm happens. sure you have that. Like, yeah. and there are things that, but like, 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 uh, you know, something, something as simple as like, I put my keys in the same spot every, every, every time, every single time you I put my keys to make in the that same topic. spot. I know. That's... Well, not, not like just the keys thing, but like structure. Right. Yeah. And when I see somebody who can't find their keys because they don't put their keys in another spot, I'm just like, this is such a simple thing. Why don't yeah. you do? And I understand that like for them, they have this free flowy life that doing that would make them feel like they're like, they don't like that kind of regimented structure and they'd feel like they're in a concentration camp or something like I, I get that, but I find the behavior maddening. So here is, here is another one of those things. And David it is, is describing what it's like to listen to me talk. <laughs> get ready, folks. I, I was listening to a podcast where one of the hosts said to the other, sometimes your reasoning physically hurts me. <laughs> I have no doubt that I have said things to you that make you hurt inside. But, <laughs> Grudem uh, has said things that physically oh, hurt. Me. I, 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 I gather. Uh, not not like they offend me, but the the reasoning just baffles me. Anyway, okay. so one of the things that and and I have to credit my friend that I mentioned uh, that I had in college. I mean, he's still a friend now, but I met him in college. Uh, 
really pushed me into this. Uh, this idea that like it was your fault. New Covenant theology, Pentecostal theology, um, Baptist theology, the rapture. The rapture was the one that set a lot of this off for me. I didn't get into this, but I used to be dispensational. Dispensational rapture. uh, I'll take that one because a lot of our listeners probably are not dispensational uh, Mm -hmm. uh, rapture believing people. Um, When it dawned on me that nobody believed in the rapture prior to the 1800s, like that that wasn't a thing. I thought this really is a thing for you. The historical argument. Well, it was, it was like Jesus promised his church that we might be in the after show. Now, if, if music played, we're in the after show, just so you guys know, Jesus promised his church that the spirit would come and lead them into all truth. And like, I get that we have errors. I totally get that. But like for us to suddenly be realizing that the Bible is actually structured in a way that we never imagined it was structured. And that came up because some lady had a dream and told uh, John Nelson Darby about the dream. And now we understand that Jesus isn't coming back once. He's coming back like 43 and a half times. Like mm-hmm. all I, I'm exaggerating. And if you're a dispensationalist, like I do have some respect for your position. I'm just not expressing it right now. <laughs> um, so it, 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 it kind of terrified me like, oh my gosh, this is how cults start. Like, like this thing of like, oh, the church has wow. had it wrong for 1800 years, but now, now we have it right because of this one guy or this, the, you know, it, usually it starts with one guy, but it's, it's this, this small denomination has it right. And it is, it's very core to Baptist theology to be, to be totally fine with those things. And, and what I mean by that well, is, oh, come no, 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 on. I, I mean, historically like Anabaptists, like uh, it's not, okay, it's not cults, core to 1689ers. Theological upstarts. This is why I'm the bad cop. <laughs> okay. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is that there are dangers associated with, I'm not saying that dispensationalists are cults and I'm not saying that Baptists are cults or that Baptists uh, are, are nece- but like Baptist theology necessarily believes, okay. That we really don't have a consistent chain of legitimately baptized people ordaining legitimately baptized people like that, that broke off somewhere in 300 around 380 and that we have not had legitimate baptisms for. I, I don't know if you years. could, I don't know if you can for sure make that claim or, or that we, not that we haven't had even any, if it's true, like the, that, the majority of the churches, even is if not it's true, I mean, it has Christianity just broken down. If that's true in, in your view, well, I, I, I mean, you may think that David, but I don't think that's necessarily true. No, and I, I get that. All, all, all that and, I'm trying to say I is, I know you're trying to make a point quick and you have to use yeah. extremes. I get that. Okay. But. I, I appreciate that you get that because yeah, I'm not trying to say that, that, that Baptists are all completely schismatic freaks and, and that they're all divisive. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is you have to be okay with certain things that bother me to my core. Uh, like this idea that like nobody really had like the rapture. Nobody, nobody had eschatology even close to right. Uh, my professors at Moody have even said this, like nobody was reading the Bible even close to right until dispensationalism. That's rough. And, and that's rough. Like those sorts of things just really, really bother me. And not to say that you couldn't be right. Like I'm not set. Like, obviously there were Roman Catholics making arguments to the reformers that sound very similar to what I'm saying right now. Ding, 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 ding. I do understand that, but gosh, dang it. I certainly want to read what most of the churches believed yeah. for most of church history. And so you saying, Oh, well, I've kind of read some articles and stuff from a cessation. And I've read MacArthur who is not in line and he's not in line with historic reformed uh, or historic cessationism or reform cessationism. He, mm-hmm. he is a cessationist, but mm-hmm. he kind of changes the definition of that term to be something almost uh, anti-supernaturalist, mm-hmm. which is not, that's not reform. That's not historic. 
Um, okay, I'm going to let you finish this point. Okay. Just so I I'm going to let you finish, but... Um, I'm going to let you finish, but... Uh, that's a reference to something in I understood culture. that reference. <laughs> no one else did. Um, so, from my perspective, like, okay, may- maybe, maybe the Baptists, maybe the Dispensationalists, maybe they're right, but I want to make sure that I've read from like the strongest cases and I've spent more time reading the the theology that the church has, has held for the longer period of time. You know, when, when, when we're talking about three quarters versus one quarter, it, it, like I want to make sure that I've read that stuff. Uh, I, in my, in my mind being in your position where I'm like, Oh, I'm fine so, on this issue. I would want to read the older books. My first. comment to you about the fact, obviously my answer about how many works I have read of the of cessationist works talking about cessationism. Is that what you mean? Yeah, the uh, fact that I that I didn't like, like cessationist enough, commentaries on that's what set this off. Um, yes, and the fact like the the you need to understand something. Okay, you are a guy that's pretty busy. You are pretty busy. Yes, I am also a busy guy. Mm-hmm. However, I think it's fair to say that you have a lot more time to devote to reading these things than I do. Yes, I I devote Sundays basically a bunch of Sundays to reading. Yeah, and that's that's a that and I, I understand that. Not that I don't I read can't, other times. I yeah. can't have everything buttoned down for you. No, or I'm, I'm not else. expecting you to. That's that's not what I mean by this at all. And and and, and I was kind of answering it on the fly. I think I've read a lot more than I'm currently recalling right now. Sure. Um, I consider myself a well-read guy, not as much as you. But I don't consider myself a well-read guy. But keep going. You are. Um, but. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess I'm kind of struggling to answer this, but I, I don't really know what to say or how to satisfy this concern of yours. And But I will say, I don't think I, I'm kind of fault here. I don't think I've committed a crime by and not I, I reading. I don't mean to suggest that you have. Like I said, yeah. this is this is a trait that I recognize in me is fairly unique. And okay. I guess my question is... And I've seen this and I agree. And I don't think it's bad. Right. Obviously, it's a good thing to read a lot. And to have an idea of the historical flow of an right. idea. Obviously, that's great. I just, brother, I just don't have that much time to get this. Sure. This is this is a mammoth job. No, it, it absolutely you know? is. And that's why, like, I, I am currently waffling between, like, two different, uh, two different understandings of the book of Revelation right now. And I haven't read anything on it in two years. It takes and, time, right? Like, I, I just haven't like eschatology is not like I, I have the broad strokes like I am post millennial but in terms of am I uh, like historic post millennial or preterist post millennial yeah. like I'm not, I'm not really sure where I fall on that okay. right now and so there, there are issues where I do that and the other thing I want to say is this isn't about like you're not spending the right amount of time that's not what I like people are busy I totally get kind that of highlighting uh, a desire of yours the question I have is where do, where does a Christian right now when they want to investigate an issue where do they start do they start by reading something modern that espouses a new view historically or do they start by reading the old stuff and it is it is something core to me and it's probably why I love classical Christian education define, probably, core, define old stuff you're talking like church fathers and then go to medieval and then do reformation so my, yeah, my process is usually go to the reformers because what I love about the reformers is that they always quote the church fathers like they they were so much more concerned like when i read modern commentaries it, it, it drives me nuts this is going to turn into the david <laughs> ranting hour but this like, is so you they, they 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 all interact with each other 
and they completely ignore anything prior to like 1750. Yeah. And, and it drives me nuts because it's like, there's this whole like swath of church history where a lot of good things were set. So my process is usually I'll read Calvin, I'll read Henry. And then I have the uh, ACCS. Are you familiar with that? Uh, Ancient Christian no. classics commentary, which basically uh, it's like a, uh, it's curated, but it just, it has quotations from all the different church fathers on I don't know if it's a commentary on all of scripture, but it's like most of the new Testament, most of the old Testament. So that's usually like my, if I'm just briefly looking at something uh, and I have digital tools that make this really fast for me. So in the course of about half an hour, I can read like if I'm looking at six verses, we'll say in the course of about half an hour, I can read Calvin Henry, uh, usually somebody like Charles Hodge, if, if he's available and the ACCS and just like skim what they're saying before I move on to reading something like the, the new international commentary or the uh, what's the new inter- new new Bible commentary. Yeah. That's the one with the a Carson and all like before I get to that, like I want to make sure that I understand like what they're that, like, they're entering the scene. Like yeah. there's been this play that's been going on this entire time and they're entering the scene and saying something that may or may not comport with everything that's been said before. Okay. And before I listen to what they have to say, I want to just get a, a really like, Again, I'm not going to spend hours and hours and hours. Like, I don't have that kind of time. But I want to, like, my priority is the old books. Because on on issues where I'm talking about a novel opinion. There there are places where I'd go to D.A. Carson first, probably. Well, I I certainly understand the desire there. Um, That's obviously a great way of kind of coming to a consensus, at least in your own mind, about a doctrine. It's really work intensive, though. I'm doing my best. I got to get you hooked up with some tools that make it a lot easier. Uh, and, and, yeah. And, and, I'm, and, and I will say that I know nothing of those tools that help you better systematize all the information that you need to get, which is from a lot of sources. It's probably a lot. And that's intimidating to me because, you know, what am I going to do? Start from the beginning. I'm be reading forever. Uh, but, uh, but, but yeah, you're you and I'm me and we're just going to have to going to have to move on well, with and, life. And this, this issue of like me wanting to know everything from the ground up when I come across an I don't issue. Think every, like, yeah, I, I didn't mean to say that. Not that you need to know everything. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, get I, a ha- good... I have a desire to. Like, <laughs> like, like I hate, I hate feeling incompetent. I hate feeling like that's, that could be a whole episode. Like Ultron from the Avengers. Just, you just want to, just want to learn everything and have everything in your control <laughs> so that you can. It's more like <laughs> I see ignorance I as a sign of from. incompetence. Uh, okay. And I hate, I, I am terrified of being incompetent. Okay. But that, that could be its own thing. Like that, that is going to be an episode. It's that's point. a different after show, isn't it? So why don't we end let's this? Episode. End this. Let's, let's get these people back to their normal lives. Yeah. Where they can find joy and meaning. If you hated certainly this didn't podcast, get it here. <laughs> if you hated this podcast, we've done our job. Okay. Thank good. you for listening. See you next time. Bye.